Good evening, and uh, if you could please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews, and we're going to read from Hebrews chapter 12, starting to read at verse 4. So it's Hebrews 12, verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten that word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes everyone he accepts as a son. And your hardship as disciples, God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our Father disciplined us as a, for our fathers disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected. He could, he could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. Shall we pray? Our Father, we thank you again that we have your word that we can come to for encouragement and for instruction. And our Father, we ask that we might learn from you this evening as we read your word together. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we come to uh, this passage in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, the first readers of this letter are familiar with the teachings of what we know as the Old Testament. You see, they are part of the nation who followed the laws of God, the laws that had been given to Moses. And these are the people who are waiting for the promised Messiah. This is why the letter is addressed to the Hebrews. Now, things have changed. The promised Messiah, Jesus, has come. And some of these people may have even seen him and some maybe have even heard him speak. So the recipients of this letter had put their trust in Jesus. But they have had opposition, and a lot of it from fellow Jews, who were saying that the death and the resurrection of Jesus 
was not of itself enough to secure God's forgiveness. And they needed to do more in order to have their sins forgiven by God. And so they were saying, you will need to compensate what Jesus has done by including elements of the traditional ways of worship. Now, the key words in this letter, I believe, are found in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. And there we read this. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. I think that really sums up why the writer wrote this letter to the Hebrews. He's saying to them, look, you know about Jesus, you will know about him, you know about Christ, you know about the Messiah, it's all there in the Old Testament. But you need to now move on beyond that because there's more. And by doing so, you will be taken forward and you will grow and mature and you will lay again, you will build on this uh, foundation and you won't be building on the old foundation. That foundation has now served its purpose. In other words, leave behind the old covenant and live by the new covenant. Now, they've heard the evidence and they can be confident in the one in whom they have put their faith. They now have to be ready to put their faith into action. Now, first of all, before we get to this passage for this morning, uh, uh, for this evening, let's look at the reminder that these Christians have already been given. You see, we know that they are suffering. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through to 34. The writer says, Remember those earlier days after you had received the light, when you endured in a great conflict full of suffering? Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that you yourselves had better and everlasting possession. You see, they had suffered but not as much as others have. So they are encouraged to remain strong in their faith, as they have been up to now, and they're being encouraged not to let anything in that might, in the future, weaken their faith. They've been told about what we might call the faithful lives of their national heroes who were accepted by God for their faithfulness to God's promise. They're also reminded that the one they are called to follow has suffered more than any man. He is Jesus and they are to keep their eyes on him. Remember the words from Hebrew chapter 12. 
and verse 3 that we looked at last week. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus has suffered more than anyone else. He is the example that they are to follow. And he is our example that we are to follow. And then in verse 4 of chapter 12, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Some of them were more than likely brought to that point. They were learning that life as a Christian can be hard. And when it, it is hard, sometimes it gets even harder. And so we come to verse 5 and 6 of our passage this evening. There's a question here for them. Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? You see, here the writer is encouraging them to call to mind what they know about the Lord from the Scriptures. So the verse reads on. It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. So he's saying, do not treat these words with a careless attitude. The writer here is quoting from Proverbs. He's quoting Proverbs 3, verse 11 through to 12. A verse that he's saying to these people, you know this, you should be familiar with this. And it starts off with the words, my son. Now, that word son here is not referring to a child or a baby. It's referring to an adult person, a responsible person. And it says this, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. If you go back a few days in one of our uh, daily talks, recently I said that at our weekly Bible study in, our, um, in the book of Hebrews, we'll soon be looking at chapter 12, verse 4 through to 13. That's what we're doing this evening. And I said then that the title in my Bible over this section was God disciplines his children. And here we are this evening looking at it. I said then that I was thinking about how the scriptures tell us how discipline is an act of love when it's done in the right way. It's like a, a good coach who's training an athlete will teach the athlete discipline. Or like a parent who teaches their children with the discipline that is a beneficial act of love. I said that not to show discipline is to show apathy. That is to show a lack of interest or concern. You know, some people say that hate is the opposite to love. It's probably right in a lot of ways. But I think that apathy is the opposite of love. 
It's a feeling of no feeling, of no interest or no concern. Proverbs 19 verse 18 is one of the proverbs I quoted then. Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. So with these things in mind, and this evening we are looking at this passage from the book of Hebrews, and there is an emphasis on us being part of God's family and on God being our Father. The word from Paul in Romans is a word that we could look at this morning as we are encouraged by this subject. And this passage is found in Romans chapter 8, verse 14 through to 18. Just listen to these words. It's good to let the scriptures speak to us. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you see brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies that with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs to God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Great words there. Remind us that we are children of God. We are adopted. We have sonship with the Father and with Jesus. And with him we are heirs. Great words. The Hebrew writer in his writings here has laid the groundwork for what will come next. Hebrews 12 verse 7 through to 10. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. We've got to look at this in context, and the thought here is referring to those who will deliberately abandon their responsibility, and by doing so they break off the relationship. The verse then goes on, Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. Now again, we've got to look at this in context. We know that all fathers are not perfect. But this is speaking about God as our Father. So the passage goes on. How much more should we subject to the Father of the spirits and live? So how much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while, as they thought best. But God disciplines us for our good 
in order that we may share in his holiness. You see, it's God who is involved here. He is the one who is administering the discipline. He is the perfect father and God knows best. And there is an ultimate purpose. I was reminded of a few passages from Leviticus. There's many more passages we could look at, but I'll just share these two with you for this evening. This is Leviticus 11 verse 45. This is what God says. I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. And then again, still in Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7 and 8. It's God speaking again. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am the Lord your God. Keep my degrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. So, when God disciplines us, what effect does it have on us? Well, back to our passage, Hebrews 12, verse 11 through to 13. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace. For those who have been trained by it, therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. There's benefits for us here when God disciplines us, and that benefit is passed on to others. I was reminded of Isaiah chapter 35, and let me just read a couple of verses from that passage. It's verses 3 through to 6. You probably know these words, but I feel they're relevant here with what we're looking at this evening. Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth and the, in the wilderness and streams in the desert. I mentioned earlier that these people would be familiar with the Old Testament. They would be familiar with these words. And the writer of the Hebrews is saying to them, look, remember the things that you know about the Messiah. Remember the things that God has said about himself. Remember those things because they are important. So here there is a, an encouragement for us to, to always look at the Old Testament and see it as an important part of Scripture. Back to our passage. What effect will it have on others? Hebrews verse 14, chapter 12. Make every effort. See, it requires effort. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. Let's have a little verse again from Romans, Romans 12. This is what we read in verses 17 and 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So there's encouragement from Paul, very similar to what the writer to the Hebrews is saying here. 
but we're also to help each other in our spiritual walk. So we come to verse 15 and 17 of Hebrews 12. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So, help each other, spiritually. But we're also to help each other in our upright walk. Verse 16. See that no one is sexually immoral, or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights to the oldest son. And there's also in these words a warning to be careful, not to lose out. You can't lose your salvation once you're saved, but you can lose out on the blessings of being a follower of Jesus. Verse 17 of Hebrews 12. Afterwards, as we know, so he's talking about Esau. Afterwards, as you know, now get that phrase again. These people are familiar with these passages. All the writer has to say, you already know about this. Listen up. So, speaking about Esau, afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit his blessing, he was rejected, even though he sought the blessing with tears. He could not change what had he had done. Now, I think this is a good place for us to stop in our passage because next week the writer will be giving them and us, the readers of his letter, a glimpse of their journey's end. The city referred to earlier in previous uh, chapters, the city whose architect and builder is God, the kingdom of God, the place that Jesus spoke about many, many times and was questioned about when he ministered on this earth. But in the meantime, they still had a journey to complete as we, this evening, also have a journey to complete. So for us, I want us to take some encouragement from what Peter said, and this is found in Peter chapter 2, and we'll finish off with these verses as we think about them. Let these verses 19 through to 25 speak to us. You know, the scripture can speak from the very things that it says. So let's just listen to them as I read them to you. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. Well, how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and yet endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And when they hailed their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray. But now 
you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The recipients of this letter were sheep of his fold who were in danger of going astray, being led astray by false teaching. For us in our day, we are sheep of his fold. And we are also in danger, in danger of many attacks from many sides. But let us remember this. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Shall we pray? Our God, we thank you for these words that we can take as encouragement. They were written so long ago, yet they are so relevant today. These people were just like us. Circumstances were different in as much as it was a different age, a different time. But they were living as we are living in your day of grace. And just like them, we have our problems, we have our trials, we have our temptations. We have those who, even within the Christian circle, would seek to discourage us by bringing false teaching. But our Father, help us to cling to you, cling to your word, to keep our eyes on Jesus and to walk the way you would have us walk. Our Father, keep us safe and keep us protected as a, as a fellowship of your people. Keep us together through this pandemic that we might come out of it with great blessing and rejoicing and that through it your name will be glorified. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.